Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. All right. In this week's episode, we are doing something a little bit different. Normally, we do some reviews and talk about some stuff, but we are actually joined with some guests today. We are joined with the team uh, behind Kinzen Key Games. We have TK, Dennis, and Colton. Thanks for being here, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. us. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we had an opportunity to meet you guys and kind of chat a little bit. And the reason why you guys are coming out of the podcast now is you guys have a Kickstarter that you guys are going to be doing. Um, and I, my understanding is quarter one of 24, correct? Yeah, so I'd say we're aiming for maybe March, April of next year. Okay. We haven't released a date yet, but that's kind of our aim. Okay, so coming up next year, the game in question is Galactic Cruise. Natasha and I first got kind of exposed to this game at Origins, and honestly, what caught my eye was just the box art, because you guys had the box art set up, and I was like, I was walking by, getting ready to play some games, and I was like, ooh, what is this game? Like, what do we got going on <laughs> it's very here? very eye-catching, yes. It's Ian O'Toole artwork, and it's just stunning. It is. It is we're going we're gonna to get into the Ian O'Toole thing because I'm really curious how you guys were able to get Ian O'Toole to do your artwork. Like, how does that work? <laughs> um, but we, we kind of were chatting back and forth. And the big thing is we want to we want to kind of sit down and like talk to you guys about your game, the process, you know, coming to Kickstarter. You guys are a new company. This is your first game you're launching. So we kind of did a small card game a few years ago. OK, um, we could talk about that if you want. But this will be like our first big game. Like we had 100 backers. We delivered it ourselves. It's like it was kind of our first taste, which was like okay. the the point we were like, we really want to pursue it, you know, as a career. So, gotcha. you know, okay. like when an author is like, oh, yeah, I technically published something when I was in like high school or college. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, I self-published, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I use the binding system in the library. Um, so that, if you that, guys game, are... that game doesn't count because I wasn't there yet. I didn't All right. know that. This is the team. Right. Right. Okay. That's, That's right. right. So you guys are, you know, this is going to be the game you guys are coming out with, Galactic Cruise. First and foremost, like whose idea was it? Like, there's got to be one of you that was just like, it's technically my idea, and everyone's just kind of piggybacking. Like, whose <laughs> whose idea was it? Like, who came up with this concept? TK's idea. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, TK came to me and he said, uh, "He's like, hey, I got this idea for a game. Uh, I'll tell you about it. I, I'm just calling it Galactic Cruise for right now." And the title is definitely stuck, even if nothing much else has as it's changed. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it I, works. I, I don't, I don't think we've shared this yet. Um, we'll share it eventually because it's something we think is is really cool. Um, but we have a text message that I sent Colton that mm -hmm. had a, a breakdown of how the game is going to play, kind of thematically and mechanically, mm -hmm. and it's like ninety nine percent still exactly what that text message says which was just the first idea of the game uh, which we think is really cool that it's just kind of stayed consistent throughout the process like the game has changed drastically but kind of the original core you know concept of the game has has stayed the same that's cool yeah that's cool that uh it hasn't like you guys have just this initial idea and you're able to like stick with it throughout the process so um for those who maybe aren't familiar and don't necessarily know the game we had natasha and i had a chance to demo it at uh, Gen Con, and one of the things that kind of stood out for me was the action economy, the action selection with it's it's basically like worker placement. You put it down, but you're almost like building a network. Um, so that's kind of it seems like that's kind of the main core mechanic of the game. Why don't you guys talk slightly about uh, some of the mechanics and specifically those types of things? Sure. Yeah. So maybe I'll start off, and then the other guys can jump in. 
Yeah. Um, but the game didn't start with that mechanic. Um, the game actually kind of went on a, a journey of shifting between different games that we were currently playing. Like we would play a game and we would be like, oh, that would be cool to implement that. So we would kind of try a bunch of different things. So it started out very viticulture-ish. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just place a worker, do the action, and there were like 15 worker placement spots. Um, and then it's it slowly shifted, um, I think Colt may know kind of the timeline, to that action selection. Um, and it stayed very similar to that from the from the kind of initial concept. I, I remember I sent a picture of uh, – I drew it out and I sent a picture to Colton. I was like, I think things are about to change. I don't, do you remember that, Colton? Do you remember what I said or like what I sent you? I, I remember it. It was just a, you had just drawn like squares with lines between them. And <laughs> you said, you said, I'll explain tomorrow, but the game is changing. And I said, all right, I'm here for it. And then I think we ended up talking that night and you were like, what if you could build um, like buildings between, um, like between the action selection spots? And when you go there, you if you're connected, you get access to your adjacent spaces because we already had these buildings, um, which are now the developments in the game. Those already existed anyway, um, but basically they were just coming off your player board to open up inventory and they gave you like a little bonus. Um, but when, when we got this idea for connecting actions, that's when things got really cool. It was also around this time, um, what would that be, summer of 2021, mm-hmm. um, when we, we played The Gallerist for the first time. And that changed TK's life forever, as I'm sure <laughs> we'll talk about later. Um, we sure. discovered there are games out there that are at the top end of the heaviest of heavy. Um, but it had this worker bumping aspect. Um, and we'd played games where you where workers got bumped before, but normally it just meant that, you know, the worker went back to the person. Now they have the worker back. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of the first games where bumping someone actually gives them a like an active cool benefit. Um, and it's escaped me now what that's called in the gallerist executive executive actions um, in the gallerist, which I'm sure we riffed on a million different ways before we came up with kind of the system we have in place now. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think the network idea, you know, building those developments between locations and then the worker bumping are kind of things that really took it off from that like viticulture ish beginning. That it and had. I, I think it, I think at that point is when it started to feel like we had something that was worth pursuing in a unique way. That was sure. like, hey, we're actually making something that we feel is different than everything else that's out there with the network and the bumping. Because um, up until that point, it was just like, let's just copy other stuff, make a worker placement game. Uh, we thought the theme was unique, but mechanically it wasn't. And when we got to that point, it really felt like, okay, we feel like we're onto something a little unique. Um, that makes it interesting from the mechanical standpoint. It definitely feels different than some of the other, like I guess, common worker placement games that you're playing. It does have a very unique feel, and you get those in some of those games. Like you're talking about the gallerists, you you know viticulture. You also mentioned with your grande worker being able to still go to those spots. So, you know, Shem Phillips does a really good job too of like taking this worker placement concept and just kind of like adding something to it, right? And that's what I really enjoyed about you know our demo was you know thinking about where am I going to place my worker based on the network that I've built. You know, and okay, so what am I going to be taking off my board in order to build a network? Because 
essentially those those things that you're removing from your player board allow you to hold more resources, right? Right. So that again, it 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 definitely it feels unique. It feels familiar, but still unique. If that makes sense, like right. it has it yeah. has a very good Absolutely. feel to it. Okay, let's talk about the theme before we get too deep into the woods because I think <laughs> okay. you guys are getting yeah. real deep here. Yeah. So yeah, the theme right, of the game, you are, let's do this. You're building a cruise ship, right? To go yeah. to go out into the the solar system and and travel, right, for leisure and, and entertainment and whatnot. Right. And what do you what do you get victory points by like satisfying your people's desires or wants and needs and stuff? Is that that's a way mm-hmm. to get victory yeah. points, right? More or less, yeah. Like your main victory points in the game come from your shuttle. So whenever you launch, you score the cockpit of your shuttle. So every shuttle has a different way to score points. So throughout the game, you're kind of building a fleet of shuttles that give you your own personal goals to go after. So when you launch a shuttle, you score its criteria. And, of course, you're taking guests to the destinations that they want to go to. And when you get there, you can kind of advertise to them to get them to explore the destination and score points. So that's kind of your main kind of two ways of of scoring points throughout the game. It is kind of cool to think that you're you're sending little you're sending little meeples to mars to play tennis like yeah <laughs> they want some like table games and they want some other stuff like it's a re- it's a really cool theme it it's is zero a gravity fun... though right so it's worth it yeah i yeah. think it's a fun theme you don't see a lot of worker placement space games right you see like space exploration 3x or pick up and deliver this is very much a euro game with a really cool sci-fi theme I yeah, like and so yeah, one of the things that I think does make it a little different than like a lot of space games, like you're saying, is most of it takes place on Earth, right? Like you're, it's it's kind of the Lacerda esque thing of you're running a company, you know, and so it's yep. the business side of things, and so like there's no space combat, like I mean you're keeping track of where your shuttle's traveling in space, but you know most of the game takes place place on Earth as opposed to you know typical you know sci-fi kind of space game. Mm-hmm. And it's fun too because you get these little uh, spaceship pieces that you get to. Um, add onto your ship so it makes it bigger and bigger and, and that's kind of fun too you're actually building like a little rocket ship yeah yeah that definitely one of the things people enjoy yeah you can because uh, you end up being able to connect the different spots to each other and based on how you connect them allows you to have a certain amount of passengers and stuff correct yeah so that's gone through so many different changes uh, okay so like the the current version uh which may be different than what you saw at origins <laughs> uh, fair yeah <laughs> uh so so the the segments when they fit together so the segments kind of represent things you would find on a, a cruise ship like a, a casino or a garden bar or a pizza lounge or, or whatever so as you're building your shuttle you're creating these different segments um and they used to have to match uh there was like some bed matching so you had to kind of line them up so they would form these cabins where the passengers would stay. And so it was a little bit of a spatial puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, we loved that, but it was a little kind of more complicated and thinky than we wanted for the base game. So we actually moved that to an expansion. So now all the segments, you can fit them however you want, and they always form a cabin together. So it's more about what icons you want and the victory points on them as opposed to trying to match them. Uh, but that will be included later uh, in, in an expansion. We just wanted to make it a little more thematic and easier for that kind of base game entry point. So it definitely looks like a Lacerda game. It's it's that same box size. It's the same Ian O'Toole artwork. It fits right into that same category. But it but it didn't play near as heavy. It's a, I feel like this is a lot lighter. So I think you did you get a lot of inspiration from Lacerda, but wanted like more of a lighter game or or what were you going for there? I'm gonna let Dennis answer this because most people don't know that there's a third person here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Dennis is here. He's just he's the silent partner in the back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to jump in on uh, something earlier, but then the conversation just kind of went and uh, it's it's all good. It's all good. 
It's all free flowing, uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the question was, you know, did we make it lighter on purpose? Um, or that was sort of sort of the question anyway. Um, and did I think you take that... inspiration from Lacerda. Maybe that was the question. Okay. So there's definitely inspiration from Lacerda. I think anyone that plays it can can see that. Um, but as far as the the weight goes, like most people do say that it feels lighter to them than a Lacerda. Like it feels a little bit easier to get into, a little bit easier to learn, a little bit easier to teach. And so that you know that was something that we put thought into, but it was it was less about making it lighter or easier and more about making it more thematic. And so that's the number one thing that most people will mention is it feels easier to play, easier to teach, easier to learn uh, because all of the rules that are there have some sort of thematic reason for it. So it's easier to uh, remember or understand why something works, how it does, because we tried to make everything as thematic as possible. Now, of course, certain things are going to be abstracted because we're still playing a board game. So, you know, in, in the game, when you have a guest that goes on a cruise, you know, that we're putting one meeple onto uh, onto a, a cruise ship or, a, you know, the, the shuttle, a spaceship. Um, but in reality, like, you know, if that was completely thematic, it would be like 100 people or 1000 people or whatever, whatever the number. Um, so there's definitely certain things and, you know, not every action is necessarily hundred percent accurate. It's like, we're not trying to make a simulation, um, but we're trying to make everything as thematic as possible so that it's more fun, but it's, yeah, just like when, when people have questions, like, like a question that, um, comes up, I wouldn't say necessarily often, but, uh, happens enough that everyone kind of laughs at it. They're like, um, I think I know the answer, but can I build on a cruise ship that's in space? And it's like, no, you can't because it's it's in space right now. Like, like you, you can't do that. So like everyone always knows the answer, but they just want to make sure, you know, because maybe there would be maybe there's some game out there where for balance reasons, you could do that. Um, but it's like it doesn't if it doesn't if we don't have a good reason for it, for the theme, then uh, then it's not going to be in the game very likely. So I love that because I know I talk about how I'm, I don't, I don't tip, typically care about theme. Like I could care less if it has a good theme or what the theme is usually, but when you have a when you have a the game mechanics that match the theme and it makes sense, you don't have to remember all those stupid little fiddly rules, or they don't feel as fiddly because they make sense. Of course, you have to do this. Of course, you have to do that. It makes sense. It's so much easier to teach, and you can play a lot more complicated game, teach a lot more complicated game when when the rules make sense and when they're not making up new terminology and new new things that just add complexity to what's already a complex situation, you know, a complex heavy board game. So I appreciate that. (laughs) Almost like unneeded complexity in something. Mm -hmm. If you can, if you can make something thematic to the game, as far as the mechanics are concerned, then teaching the game is just, I mean, it's just so much easier. If you can say it's because of this, you know, thematically that, Oh, okay. Like people understand that, like the the space thing, right? You can't take a cruise ship that's in the middle of the ocean <laughs> and like add to it. You know, like you're not yeah. doing that. You know? And it's easy right. to remember rules. Like when you have all these little extra rules about you can't do this until you do this, and you can't do this. Well, you can't take off on your rocket ship until it's completely built. You know what I mean? You you have all these rules that ma- it makes sense, and it's easier to remember the rules too, which which I appreciate. 
the it's funny you should mention like oh it's a little bit lighter than a Lacerda game. I'm just sitting here thinking like, I mean even that you could have a really heavy game and it's still going to be lighter than a Lacerda game. So like <laughs> <laughs> like saying something is lighter than a Lacerda yeah, game it's not doesn't a light really game. like we shouldn't we should. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you're not playing King Domino. You're playing, like you're playing a pretty complex game. Uh, it is interesting because like we over the course of playtesting, like it's you know gotten heavier, gotten lighter, kind of throughout. Yeah. Um, but we've always had people who are like, you know, oh, this is you know several, you know, at least tenths of a point lower than a Lacerda, and then we'll have somebody else play the same version. And they're like, oh man, this is like a four and a half, and we're like the the span of people's kind of subjective heaviness. This has been so interesting to see, you know, because um, like Dennis said, uh, a lot of people who play it do say it's lighter. Like we've had a lot of people say or call it a Lacerda light. Uh, that's often a term people will throw out as a Lacerda light. Um, and so, yeah, it's just been very interesting to see people's kind of reactions to the complexity of it kind of based on you know different games. So was that ultimately your guys's um, intention was to make it to make something that would be considered a Lacerda light? Or is that just kind of how? how things just kind of came to be. That was just the natural progression of things. I think it was natural progression. Um, Colton can correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you know the timeline of when we started playing this stuff, but I'm pretty sure none of, neither of us had played a Lacerda, myself and Colton, when we started working on Galactic Cruise. We had not. Um, no. It was no. pretty shortly thereafter. But it's like the initial, like the initial version of Galactic Cruise, like I said, is very much like we took the Viticulture board and subbed out right a whole lot i mean th- there were some differences um but and, and even say, then it was more of a simulation right like there was a lot of math involved there was a lot of math involved we wanted so, to be, uh, it, 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 i think the the idea there is we wanted to be we didn't want anyone to be like that doesn't make sense so we almost overcorrected for mm-hmm. realism oh sure like, okay well you need yeah. to multiply your fuel costs times your this plus your passengers for the extra weight. Divided by was, something, and yeah, it was it was crazy. I swear, at one the square point, root of the right. you, you joke about square roots. I think there may have been squaring or square rooting at some point. And oh like, yeah, okay, hey, I guess we'll in. include a chart. You get a calculator, I guess. Yeah, yeah. right. It's like the yeah, player the screens on. Uh, on a smartphone ink or whatever, when you see how many phones you made, you can like, okay, it's uh, I make $26. <laughs> so is that what, what designing a board game is like? You start with an idea and you play it and change it and play it and change it and play it and change it for a few years. That's definitely been our process. Um, and we've seen, you know, we, we actually started working on a lot before Galactic Cruise. So when we did that first card game that we put out a few years ago, um, we, we got a dozen or so games up on TTS and, and played through them and we're just like, ah, it doesn't feel right. And then we hit Galactic Cruise. We were like, this actually feels like it has legs. And so at that point it was, you know, play, iterate, play, iterate, and just try to get it in front of as many different people and, and input, especially from first time players, um, as possible just to get that feedback. So that's just been our process for the last, I guess, two and a half years. I think we've had probably 320, 330 play tests, um, over the course of two and a half years. So we've definitely, mm-hmm you know, try to put it through the paces of that iterating process of feedback. So how long has this process been? So you said about, it's been about two and a half years, would you say? Or like, when did you first say, all right. May, I want to say it was May 28th, 2001 is when he texted me. 2001, 2021. I was about to say, like, that's a long time, man. (laughs) 22 (laughs) years. 22 years. You're getting there. (laughs) 
Yeah. It feels you can like release it on time. Like that's good. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it feels like twenty years sometimes. Yeah, two thousand and twenty-one. All right. Um, May, like late May. Um, so I imagine you'd been cooking it up for probably a week or two before that. Just like um, concept ideas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because TK TK will never tell us ideas. Like I will just tell him like, hey, I had an idea for a game. He never says that to me. Like for him, he's like, he's like, or he'll tell me, I have an idea, but I'll tell you about it two months from now. <laughs> it's not ready for I have to tell to you flush about it out in my brain. Like it Meanwhile, just, you know. I could have an idea for a game in the middle of this podcast and be like, I just had an idea for a game and it's terrible and broken. And TK is a perfectionist. He wants everything, mm-hmm. like every corner to be sanded down before he shows it off. So I'm sure that you've yeah. probably been thinking about it for probably a month. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So you have, you've developed this game, you've played it, you've iterated on it. It's, it's become good. You feel like it's good now. What are the, what are the next steps that you're doing? So our biggest next step we're currently in is graphic design and art. And so, um, we were, I think, 95% done with graphic design. So the last month or two has, have been kind of iterating back and forth with Ian on, you know, he would he did all of our layouts and icons, and then we have been playtesting it a ton, blind playtesting it a ton, getting a bunch of feedback on the iconography, what makes sense. Um, and so that's almost com- complete. Um, and then he's going to kind of fill in the rest of the boards and cards and tiles with art. And so that's our big next step is finishing up the illustration. So then once that's done, that'll, then you'll be able to take it to Kickstarter? Yeah, so our, our, our kind of our timeline would be finishing up the art by the end of the year. And then end of December, January is where we're going to really start our kind of ad campaign and review campaign. So we'll start doing our Facebook marketing and send out all of our review copies um, to the people we have doing some content creation and our reviewers. And then give that a few months leading up to the, the campaign. So let's talk about Yino Tool for a second. because. Um, in this podcast, Natasha and I often talk about specifically the art and games and because the art has gotten so good over yeah. the last five to 10 years, it's taken a next level. And I, and I've often said like, at this point, it's unacceptable to produce a game that doesn't look good. Like it just is because there's just like so many fantastic artists out there. So that, and then you get a name like, you tool who honestly, in some ways, sells games just based on the fact that it's Eon O'Toole artwork and his graphic design and stuff like that. How did you guys get Eon O'Toole to do your game? Like, how does that process work? Yeah, so that was a long process. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, initially, like, we had reached out to him. We'd reached out to a lot of artists to, to chat with. Um, and I think we'd sent him an email, uh, but didn't really hear anything back from him because I know he's booked out several years in advance. And it's like we never really thought we would get to connect with him. Um, but it, it almost got to a point to where based on feedback and what everybody thought about the game that like this was, you know, one of those things that was worth putting all of our eggs in the basket. And so like if we're going to do it, we need to do it right. And so um, kind of throughout the process of playtesting, um, we became pretty good friends with Shim Phillips and Sam McDonald. And um, Shim's helped a lot with development and he even did all of our iconography for our early prototypes um, just kind of as a favor, which was awesome. And so when we got to the point of art, you know, we were like, man, we would love to get in. And he was like, I know in. And so he kind of connected us via email with in. And so just having that kind of networking connection was, was huge for us. So huge, you know, shout out to, to Shim and Sam for kind of their kind of helping us along the way and, and making that connection. And so that was still, I don't know, a year and a half ago. I think Colton just, you wrote about this recently, right? Kind of the timeline. I did. Um, 
Oh, I'm trying to think now. I want to say it was maybe March of last year. We had like an initial meeting. And then September of last year, we had like a follow-up meeting. And then May of this year is when we actually saw something. So there's probably 14 months between, yes, I'm interested, and here is something to show for it. So Yeah, because when, when we first met with him, he was like, you know, I'd love to work on it because he loves kind of space sci-fi type stuff. And um, But he was like, I can't do it, start on for at least a year. And <clears throat> we had originally planned to go to Kickstarter sooner. But we kind of pulled back and we were like, no, we need to wait. Um, even just waiting has been very helpful in playtesting and development and marketing. Um, but we knew that you know waiting on that timeline would be absolutely worth it. Yeah, so to answer the question from earlier, um, if you want Ian O'Toole to do the art for your game, the first step is become friends with Shim Phillips. <laughs> there you go. Okay, easy, got it. Right? That's, <laughs> no, it's just, it's just crazy, crazy how it worked out. Shem just got a thousand friend requests. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, give us too much credit, sir. I don't know if there's a thousand people and, listening currently. And, and what's wild is like when I first met Shem, I didn't even own any of his games. Like I knew he was a designer, but like I didn't know he really had anything in the top 100 or whatever. You weren't a huge um, the, fan? No. So my, my background before game design is music. So I was in the music industry for a long time. I was a worship pastor or worship leader at a church and so that's that's uh, kind of a something shim does is i think he's one of the worship leaders or at least plays at his church and so whenever we started getting into game design i was like man who could i reach out to because we've always been about talking to people to get some wisdom and insight and so i i came across him and i was like oh he has a music background and he's worship at his church like it'll be cool to connect so i just messaged him and i was like hey can we video chat for an hour i'd love to pick your brain about game design and worship and stuff and he said yes and so we chatted and then Jumped into a play test thereafter and um, just kind of stayed connected, you know, over the years. And so that was just a really cool relationship and they've been super valuable. That's awesome. It's cool to make those those connections, especially especially with like, you know, being the worker placement like Shem Phillips. Like I said, he's just I don't know the things like the things they're doing with the worker placement genre, I think is cool. Mm-hmm. And every time they come out with something, I'm always really interested. And what I love, too, is like the consistency of their uh iconography from game to game that said when you guys first implemented the iconography in this game i assume you guys had to deal with the rations because he has rations in all his games so i'm assuming you had the little <laughs> ration pieces or everything <laughs> yeah so yeah so when he made ours for our prototype like they were definitely very like shim <laughs> when, when people played them they were like oh this looks like you know west kingdom stuff or, or yep. whatever and we yep. were like yeah and we we loved it like we thought they were they were they were incredible like a lot of people said we had one of the best looking prototypes because um, we just kept it clean. He had great iconography um, and it was extremely helpful. I think that's one of the things, too, is, the you know, we talk about like that artwork and I, I, you know, I mentioned, you know, it's unacceptable. But table presence, that artwork and just the, the clean design that you guys, even in the prototype that you guys had and the ones that we saw, just with that board being white. And with all the action spots, and obviously you're removing the cubes as your game timer, or you're adding cubes as your game timer, mm-hmm. um, just that whole aesthetic, like just it looks very like clean, which is something I'd like. I really like to see in a game. I don't like to see things that are like overly busy and complicated, just because it starts being a little too much. Um, do you know how much of that's going to stay? Have you guys been able to see like near final kind of? artwork from so, Ian a little bit? I would say none. 
Oh, I know it's probably disappointing to you. Um, <laughs> Defense. I mean, I'm sorry. Listen, it's EO no uh, tool. He's like, yeah, he's up there for me. I mean, so. he, he knows what he's doing. So yeah, so yeah. Honestly, right now, everything you see online, the player boards, the main board, all that stuff is just graphic design. Like he hasn't touched any illustration whatsoever. Um, okay. So we imagine like a lot of it is like you can see some 3D elements in it. Like if you look yep. at the main board in the center, the headquarters, you can kind of see 3D buildings and whatnot. In the marketing board, there's like some TVs and stuff to kind of give you some 3D aspect. So we kind of have an idea of what it's going to look like. Um, but we imagine that he's going to implement kind of the color palette and the design from the box. It's like those colors you see, like the, like it's very bright. Like we, we didn't want like a dark beige you know, yep. very bland. We wanted very bright colors. And so I think that color palette is going to kind of make its way across all the components. So hopefully it'll still feel very fresh and new um, yeah. while still trying to stay clean. Right. We wanted that retro futuristic, but very clean kind of vibe. Yeah. The, I, I think the cover still, even though the cover is not white, it does have a lot of it, it does have a really nice, clean look to it still, even yes. with the, yeah. the clean Agreed. look, the, the artwork. And it's still simple and not overly busy so i i if that's if the game looks like the box cover i think you'll do well yeah yeah i'd be in for sure it almost like the rocket ship is almost like the jetson style a little bit which i think is cool mm-hmm. it has that like retro kind of uh you know bugs bunny marvin the martian like rocket ship kind of kind of look to it which i think is which i think i like that i like that aesthetic for sure but more um, modern but uh, yes like exactly. that but modern Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A modern twist on it. Yeah. Okay. So you guys have, you guys have been came up with the idea. You guys put pen to paper. You guys started developing these prototypes and everything like that. And then obviously, as soon as the development is, you know, set, you guys are going to launch your Kickstarter. Um, what's the process of like launching a Kickstarter? Like, what's like, what are the types of things like? behind the scenes that people don't necessarily know about because like you know as a consumer i click on kickstarter i see all these pages i see all these like cool videos i see all these you know um animations of you know meeples getting placed on boards and stuff like that like what's the process to take your design and then okay we're gonna put it on kickstarter like what does that look like yeah that's uh maybe a whole podcast if you want (laughs) to Okay. If you want to, if you want to, no. I'll but, take the uh, Cliff Notes version. It's, it's cool. It's, uh, <laughs> the other guy, I'll let the other guys jump in too. But like yeah. from my perspective, like it's definitely taken a lot longer. I think when we started Galactic Cruise, we were like, okay, we're going to launch on Kickstarter October of twenty two, right? Yeah, it was something like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then we were like, no, it's going to be the spring of twenty three. And we're like, no, maybe October of twenty three. And then it's like, no, it's going to be the spring of twenty four. Um, and so it's, it's definitely taken a lot longer. And I think a lot of that has to do with just, there's so many pieces, right? Like we see so many Kickstarters and, and creators kind of rush to Kickstarter, um, and either have to cancel or, or barely fund or like it's, it's, it's tough to see. Cause we've had a lot of like, for instance, have to cancel their, their Kickstarters, right? Just for Mm -hmm. so many different reasons. Um, and like some, you, you, some you can control some you can't. Uh, and so kind of our approach has, has just been everything that we can control. We just want to do right. Like we want to check off all the boxes and some of those big boxes for us have been development, like making sure the game is just as absolutely great as it can be. And that's just been play testing, getting it for as many people as possible. And then, um, art, like you said, like that was huge for us. So that slowed our timeline down to make sure we get the art that we wanted. Um, and then the process we're now of preparing for marketing and reviewers, um, and I think the 
I think the, the biggest thing for us has been um, time, right? And it's really helpful because we have three people. And mm-hmm. so we can kind of divvy up the different things, whether it's the play testing or, or working on updating our prototypes or doing our marketing or writing our newsletters or making our forums on BGG or making our rule book. Like there's so many different little pieces. Um, and those are the things that take up the most time. And so I know I kind of talked a lot, but Colton Dennis, you can kind of jump in on kind of your perspective of like the different kind of key points to get it ready for Kickstarter. I think you covered a lot of it, but just something that kind of came to mind as you were, you were talking. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a game analogy. Uh, Cause I think it, a lot of people do try to do something too, too early. Um, and so maybe, you know, we've been building our engine for longer so that we can score big points at the end of the game. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see. I'm picking <laughs> I'm than, up what you're spilling. <laughs> <laughs> rather than trying to do something early and only getting a, getting a few points for it. So um, I, I think, yeah, the, the biggest thing that it takes is, is time. And I guess, uh, you know, money resources. Uh, it does take a whole lot to, to to do it and uh or at least if you um if you want to do really well and i uh, one of the biggest things which maybe you kind of touched on a bit earlier tk but um we're always reaching out to people um for their wisdom so it's like talking to people that have had a successful kickstarter and finding out what they did and what their experience was and we found that pretty much everyone has been really open with their experiences. Like if you just reach out to people, if you're, if you're wanting to get into this, um, just reach out to people and ask them, like find, find a Kickstarter that's, that kind of matches like the kind of game you're going for, or um, you see one that did really well or something like that, like find out what they did and what their experience was and, and uh, you know, what, what helped them be successful. Um, so that was definitely a big part of, uh, of what we've done is like, we've talked to so many people to find out what works that's smart. You don't have to make your own mistakes. You can learn from other people. I try to tell my kids that all the time. She's like, why do you always tell me all the things you did wrong? I'm like, so you don't have to repeat my mistakes. You get to yeah, learn from me, you know? Yeah. Eh, they're kids. They're not going to want to we, we can We can put our life at an easier mode. You know, we don't have to do hard mode. We don't have to do everything ourselves. I don't know, man. Some kids just need to, like, learn things. They just need a Life let, needs to teach them lessons in order for them to actually learn stuff. I still remember when my kids were young. At one point, I re- I looked at both of them, and they're, they're I have an age gap, and I was like, I go, you guys do realize, like, like I'm not dumb, right? Like, like I'm a I'm an adult. I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person. They're trying to get away with stuff. Um, that's a that's was an interesting point that you guys talked about, like reaching out to the people at, in within the board gaming industry. Now, is it? Do you find like it sounds like? most people are pretty cool with sharing their knowledge with you guys. Have you, have you found like that to be the case? Like are most people pretty open about like, yes, let me, let me help you the best way I can. Let me show like, you know, I've dealt, these are the struggles that I've dealt with. Let me, let me show you how I deal dealt with those types of things. Like for the most part, have been people been pretty good with providing that knowledge. People have been incredible. Yeah. And there's no like secret keepers. Like, Okay. At no point where people are like, no, I'm not going to tell you my secret. Now, they may say, they may be like, hey, don't go spread this, but they're not going to not tell you. Yeah. It's like, um, so I mean, people, people have been so great about like really like sharing the, sharing the wealth. And I hope that one day we 
can be those people for somebody. Um, cause I, I love helping people. Um, I, I, th- I think we all do. I mean, TK play tests like five nights a week and it's almost never galactic cruise. It's, you know, other people's <laughs> stuff that he, you know, that he's jumping into. Um, yeah, pe- people have been people have been great and helpful and gracious and you know just really like uh, and you know merciful when our game was not as good. You know, people are people are firm but kind with us. Good, uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's not it's not kind not to it's not kind to lie either. You're not doing anybody a fa- any favors. Yeah. The board gaming community, I find, is very, I feel like we are very close and connected, just having that shared hobby, that shared experience. Like, you you meet somebody, you find out who board games, and you instantly have a connection with them. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all from the people that I've met and the strangers I've met and, and how we just are all connected. And I, and I love that about the hobby. That that has to be one of the, the higher points, because the thing is, you don't find that in like other industries like you said the secret keepers like i don't know how often like you just you run into somebody that's just like well it took me 20 years to learn that like i'm not going to tell you my secret because i'm not going to divulge that information you need to spend the next 20 years figuring out the same thing i did you know people can be very unwilling to provide that information um so it's awesome to hear that the industry is cool to like share that and help each other out i know like you know jamie stegmeyer does a lot of articles and different things like that about his experiences and he makes that like here's here's the things that i went through here are the things that i struggled with here are the things that you might struggle with so having that information available seems pretty awesome and that's probably why board games have improved so much over time like i mean look at games that were put out 10 years ago and they're they feel dated at this point so much has changed and and we've come so far with some of these games it's you know it's probably you know because you're building off of each other right yeah, you know, start yeah, well, and, that's, and that's the funny thing is like in board gaming, there's not really the concept of this took me 20 years to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if you learned it 20 years ago, no one plays that game anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a handful, right? But it's like so much has <laughs> changed and innovated that it's like, uh, I got a couple of 20 year old games back there. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say right. I kind of want to go against the grain here a bit, and uh, <laughs> I I don't necessarily agree that that games are always better now. Um, I will say that uh, I think it was Robert making the point earlier about that the art is way better than it used to be. Yeah, okay, that that a hundred percent. But yeah, a lot of my favorite games are still like older games. So <laughs> so it's like the, the I don't 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 discount old games. Um, like I think people should play more old games but but certainly the graphic design and the art on them yeah that that is not good and that has improved uh for sure over the past 10 years absolutely yeah yeah Alea, we're looking at you still Alea, you gotta do better (laughs) it's hard like it's hard when you like okay i can go back and play this like really ugly old game or i could play this really lovely game that has been was was originally this really good game but has made a few tweaks and so now it's even better with even more beautiful artwork you know, yeah, that game wouldn't have existed without this old game. But yeah, it's hard to play those old games when um, we have so many options right now. I don't know, Dennis. I might fight you on that one. <laughs> See, I, I get excited if someone shows me this really ugly game and they're like, hey, uh, you should play this. It's really good. And then I look at it. And I'm like, this game must be great because like it looks so bad. 
Yeah, you know? that's true. That is true. You know, if somebody <laughs> recommends an ugly Euros. game, it's got to be really good. You're right. So, You're right. Did, did Clemens Franz do the artwork? I'm in. Let's <laughs> let's play this. <laughs> Our boy Clemens. Yeah. Um. That's the thing. It's funny that Dennis, you bring that up because, like, yeah, uh, you see some of those old games that just like you know the browns and the beiges, the you know the cubes that you know they're red and brown cubes you can't distinguish because they're just like faded and you're just like oh man I'm I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna love this game. <laughs> Clemens Franz gets a pass for me. It's like modern games, like modern art plus like whatever Clemens Franz does because there's such a track record of those being like pretty yeah. banging games. Um, yeah you see one of his games you're like that's my style I'll like that game it don't matter what it is <laughs> but Kawhi's face is I, I don't like his art he does have good iconography and, and it's functional and I like all of the games if he does the art I will play that game 100% but man she's just gonna hate looking at it the entire time she's playing it because it's Clemens <laughs> Franz I don't know I, I don't think his art works that bad personally but he so uh, taste. it's yeah, I don't know, but that's the thing. Like artwork is, it really has come a long way. There is something I wanted to ask you guys, and part of it is the the other thing I've noticed within the industry is the rule book. Are you guys writing the rule book? If you guys write the rule book, are you going to send it out to get it like, you know, proofread? Have other people kind of work on it? Because what I've noticed, at least from my experience with some of the games, when you start getting games from publishers that maybe have just a few titles it's not owned by asmodee like it's just a few couple like a few titles sometimes the rule books are not great like what is your guys's process for the rule book yeah so we haven't started on it yet we'll probably write it last week of the kickstarter maybe um mm-hmm. no i'm just kidding <laughs> that would be <laughs> awful so so no uh like that that's probably one of our top priorities right now um, Dennis has been working on it, so he can talk a little bit more about kind of designing it and doing it. But um, once Ian finished kind of the basic graphics, uh, we updated our rulebook almost to the final state that it'll be in outside of like images. So like right now we have a, a rulebook that's um, pretty much ready to go outside of like he's going to do some background stuff and we'll redo our images with the actual art and everything. Sure. Um, but the last few weeks, month, we've been doing a lot of playtesting and blind playtesting with it, making okay. tweaks. Um, just because we want it to be absolutely extraordinary because we know, especially being a heavier game, like we want people to be able to play it. And there's so many games, like you said, that just the rule books aren't great. And so that's absolutely a huge priority for us. And we actually have Paul Grogan doing our rule book consultancy. And so once we get it like as perfect as we can get it, he's going to take it, do a blind play test. So he's kind of distanced himself from the game. So he's not looking at it, reading about anything about the game right now. So he's going to kind of do a live video for us, learning from the rules, and kind of critiquing the rule book. That way we can kind of fine tune anything after we think it's already, you know, where it should be. So hopefully that'll get it, you know, in, into a great state. Um, but I don't know, Dennis, you want to talk about working on it? Cause I know it's been an easy task. <laughs> yeah. Everything takes way longer than you expect it to. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the, the biggest thing is having people play it. People, learn the game from the rule book so that's the blind play test so it's like you know most of the time when you're designing a game you're going to be teaching so you as the designer are going to be teaching everyone how to play and so you don't you obviously need to have like you need to have a rule set in your mind but you don't need to have a rule book because everything is changing all the time 
So I don't think it's worth it to try to constantly rewrite a rule book over and over. You're just teaching yeah. everyone. But at some point, you need to have an actual product that people can buy and take home and, you know, learn for themselves. Um, we are going to have like a learn to play video and stuff. And, and that that exists for the people that uh, or that will exist anyway for the people that want it. Um, I'm very old school in that I always just read the rulebook and I've struggled my way through so many rulebooks before. Yeah. Um, even for games that are end up being great. Like the like I love the game, but just like the rulebook was no good. And, you know, you have to reference it so many times and you can't find anything once it's there. So I, th I think, you know, we've all been around uh, that before, experienced that. And so we wanted our rulebook to be as, you know, to be one of the, one of the best uh, to fix any of the any of the issues that we've had with other games to try to make sure that ours doesn't have that. So, um, yeah, we spent a lot of time on getting the, the rulebook to where it is now, and it's currently open to anyone. Like if uh, anyone wants to to play play the game, you can uh, go into our discord and look at the most current version of the rulebook and play it yourself um, with you and your friends or whoever else. Uh, and just try it out for yourself. And then we're get, we've been getting some great feedback from that because people that have questions that have no idea what the game is and they're coming to it like it's their first time, um, they're coming, they're seeing things that like, oh, how did, you know, how did we not mention that? Or how can we make that more clear if somebody is having trouble understanding a certain section? Um, so it's been great to to watch. Also, like, you know, you know, we have people just just complete strangers just doing it online, but also um, running some tests in person. Um, so like I, I, I've literally had, uh, some friends of mine are, are going to do a play test on Friday and, um, I've specifically not had them play any version of Galactic Cruise at all. And no. they've like, they've said that they wanted to, but I was like, can I keep, like, can I keep you around for, <laughs> so that you can do it later <laughs> where you have no experience with it and you can learn from the rule book. And so they're going to play on on Friday and then they'll probably have other groups, too. So it's um, it's really interesting to, to watch somebody do that because you can really see where they're having trouble with things. Um, so if they get to a certain rule or section or part of the setup or whatever, and it's, it's confusing, then, you know, you know that you have to, to work on that. So I think I think that's the, the biggest thing is just having people that have never seen it before. Watch them learn or get, have them give you feedback about what the learning process was for them. Um, cause there's certain things that it's, I, I can't, you can't, I can't turn off the part of my brain that already knows how the game works. So yeah. there's lots of things mm -hmm. that we can catch about like making sure wording is clear and that it couldn't be understood in the improper way. Uh, but some of the stuff, it's just like, we, we can't think of it cause we're too close to it. Like we need yeah. somebody that's never seen it before to, to look at it and, and help us with that. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, that's, that's definitely it's it's a long process but it's uh you know one of the things like we mentioned before that we're we're going slow and taking our time with everything making sure everything's good uh so often i feel like this type of thing happens after the game's already out that then everyone's reading it for the first time and are like this rule book makes no sense and then the designer has to put out like a bunch of things that make sense or or a version 2.0 rule book for the next reprinting or something like that um, so we wanted to, you know, catch all that now rather than after we've launched. There's going to be 19 threads on BGG about like these different like rule segments. It's that's like nothing like I get it. Sometimes you have to like 
you get a rule and you're just like it's a little confusing so you have to like you hop on board game geek like i'm not the only one who's like questioning this so then you find the thread and you're like oh okay this is how it works but it's funny you mentioned the designer aspect because um i actually enjoy playtesting games i like i just find it interesting you know prototypes and giving you know constructive feedback on some of that stuff so i've done like the first exposure playtest halls at, at gen con and what i've actually noticed is typically if the designer themselves are teaching me the game the teach is almost it doesn't go quite as well than if it's somebody that's just like associated with the game because the designer almost i don't want to say takes for granted but leaves certain things out that like the designer knows like that's just a thing and they're just like i don't need to like necessarily mention this because it's just a thing but as a person who's, you know, learning the game, we're just like, well, what about this? And they're like, oh, it's just, you know, this thing. I've had I've had designers teach me games, and I'm just like, hmm. But then, I, t- to be fair, though, I have had designers who are very, like, concrete about, you know, like, the rules and everything like that. But more often than that, because you're so close with the game, there's those little things, those little nuances that you don't, you don't necessarily explain just because you've, like, you've developed those nuances, right? So it's it's a little bit different with designers teaching it than somebody else so so bob just said you're a bear you're not gonna you're not a good teacher tk and team that's not <laughs> what i said that's um that's what i heard to be, uh who taught us who taught us at gen con colton i don't colton? think you did it yeah. colton was there i don't I know if colton taught there could have been mark could have been mark, mark. Yeah, I think it. it they did do a good is, job, so yeah, it must not have been you guys, huh? Listen, I'm not. Best I'm not trying to throw any shade at you guys or nothing. I'm. All I'm I saying, think he's is, saying like it's no, okay no, that you guys are bad sense, at it because you're close. Yeah, right. It's fine. Exactly. No, you're like you're in there. <laughs> you yeah, we often we often talk about our teach and try to approach it in a way that you would teach it. Right. That's something Colton often says. It's like, you know, how would you teach this? Like, because we we often try to start at point A, whereas a lot of people, if you're teaching the game and you haven't designed, you start at Z, right? You're like, all right, here's how you win. Here's how you get points. Here's the meat of, you know, but we're we're like, all right, here's your player board. Here's the resources. Here's all the actions. Oh, yeah. Here's what you're supposed to be, you know, trying to do. Um, And so just the order can can be very different. Yeah. And like, it takes me twice as long to teach Galactic Cruise as it does like any other game so i always tell them i was like i just need to start teaching it like it's not my game like yeah. i see it the way i would teach great western yeah. trail or something yeah. like well you, you know so much so you want to convey all, everything you know so it ends up being longer because you're like, like you know all the details especially st- strategy where you're like for your first game make sure you do this or know this or you know you like and you almost get so excited right because this is this is a thing you guys have been working on for such a long time that you're just excited for people to sit down and like play it and you're just like oh but man like two iterations ago it was like this like and right. but at the same time you're like uh but i'm playing this, i'm playing this iteration right now yeah. um yeah i'm i'm glad you guys are you know taking your time with the rule book because like i said it man rule books lately it just seems like they've been, bob has they've not, been tough bob has not played games because of the rule book he's thinking yeah. about that yeah, i don't read rule books so i don't care yeah, we'll, she does. We'll, 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 we'll shoot it to you, and you can let us know where it's at right now. Done. Yeah, I'll tell. Yeah, won't. I'll I'll read through it. Yeah, don't send it to Natasha. She doesn't. I won't read. read she it. Listens. I won't even open she it. Listens. That's no. That's, that's fine. <laughs> just, 
Dennis, I wasn't surprised when you said that you like reading rule books. You seem old school. I think you and I are very opposite. <laughs> I I am the old school one, yeah. <laughs> Natasha's the type of person that will buy a game and then have somebody else teach it to her. Um, which is I think has happened. No, most Jeremy's, of the time. Yeah. I, it's to the, to the it's to the point now where I will not buy a game unless I already know the game or have somebody that's willing to teach it to me. Or it's really simple yeah. like a kids game. Then I will read the rule book, but it's got to be one. It's got to be like a pamphlet a style leaf, rule a book. leaflet. Right. Not, not even a pamphlet, a leaflet. Just <laughs> if one it's single. A book, <laughs> if it when it becomes book, no. Just don't do the fantasy flight thing where you have like the learn to play guide and the rules reference. I think that all rule books, like being bad aside or whatever, the fantasy flight model of the like learn to play and rules reference, I think irritates me the most. Because like I'll read the rules and I'll be like, okay, and then something will come up and be like, I have no idea. So let me just check the index on the rules reference. Okay, subsection rule C, you know, 2.4. Okay, uh, still isn't clear. It just, yeah, the way they do things. Um, you guys did mention a uh, how-to video. You guys going to have Rodney do the how-to video? Or you guys going to have Rodney Smith do that? So we, we haven't announced who's doing it yet. Oh, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you in about, what, 30 minutes? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we talked about a lot about your Kickstarter and stuff like that. I'm curious, with how did you guys get into the hobby? Why don't you guys tell me your like origin stories? How did you guys get into board gaming? Well, we'll go in order. So, Dennis, you can start. So, Dennis sure. was way okay. before us. So. Oh, gotcha. like, right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. chronological. Chronological yeah. order. It, make, uh, it makes yeah. it sound like I'm way older, but I, yeah, what are I you, am 67? actually... <laughs> I am actually older than than they are, but only by like five years or something. So they're but they're pretty young, so that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah, they look pretty. Young we're all me. we're all in our thirties. Yeah, you guys there are you young. Go. <laughs> You're only as old as you feel. Yeah, still fairly young, I guess. Um, so yeah, my my story of how I got into board gaming. Um, so I guess I should. It's kind of like the story of how I got into um hardcore board gaming or like board gaming all the time because like like a lot of people you know i grew up playing board games and i played played different things throughout my whole life essentially um and i'd even played some modern board games before i was really into to, into board games so i'd played bonanza and really liked it um and that ended up you know that's an uve rosenberg game which at the time i didn't pay attention to designers at all so i had no idea it was years later i was like oh hey that game that i used to play that's also by Uwe Rosenberg. That's so interesting. Um, so I played like games like that, uh, like Robo Rally, just d- different different games that would be considered modern board games today. But none of them got me into board gaming. Um, so what happened was one day uh, a friend of mine just I, I'm not even sure why you know they made an impulse purchase. I guess they bought a game called Android, and Android was an old Fantasy Flight game. Um, so a lot of people might know Android because of Android Netrunner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this this was the game before that. So this this was like the game that set up the Android universe, and sure. it was a it was a game that um, if anyone's if anyone's familiar, it's like a fairly long, complicated game, and there's a lot of moving parts. And especially coming from like none of us had played any. We d- we didn't know what anything was. We'd never heard of a meeple. We'd never done a- anything. So this was in like 2008, something like that, um, 2007 or 2008. Um, and it took us 
all day to learn how to play this game. And I'm sure if, you know, if I was learning th- that game today, it wouldn't take me nearly that long, but it was just like, it took us forever to get through the rule book and to like understand what was going on with the game. Um, and it, it's kind of funny because, so I, I quite enjoyed that game back then, but, but now I actually don't even really like that game much. Um, but the reason that it, that it got us into, into board games was because it just like blew my mind about what a board game meant, like what mm-hmm. it could do. Cause it, it did, it did so many interesting things that I just didn't know existed in board games. So we used to play like, uh, when I say we, I mean me and my friend group, um, we used to play like video games every Saturday. And after we played Android, we played board games every Saturday. And, um, and so since then, so there's been, you know, six, 16 years or more, uh, of us playing board games every Saturday. And, um, so after playing that game, it just opened our eyes. Then like, it was like the next week we all bought, we each bought a different game and then played through those. And then since then, I've been buying tons of games. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's I, awesome. I, I, I'm somebody that has, yeah, w- one of those people that just has like, you know, a huge room full of shelves with board games on them. Ain't nothing um, wrong with that, man. I love, wrong with that. <laughs> I love how it was like a community event for you. Like it wasn't just yeah. you that got into it and you're like, I need to find friends. Stuff. Like you guys all did it together. That's so fun. Well, and you yeah. guys dived into the deep end too. You didn't even like. You could have at least like bought Catan or something like that. No, you just like chose a hundred percent. A hundred percent. But here's the thing: I, I, I don't know. I, I was actually aware of Catan. I, I saw people play Catan. I was never interested in playing it. Like it just, okay. like it, it, even that was even like years before that. Like I first saw Catan in like year two thousand or something like that. And I just people were like, "Oh, we're playing this game," and I'm like, "Okay." Like it didn't look interesting to me, so like I just didn't even play it. Um, had I played it or had I played, uh, Carcassonne or something, I don't know if that would have gotten me into it. Like a lot of people call them gateway, you know, it gets you into it. But I think for, for me, I needed that like crazy complicated game to open my eyes. And, and I don't, um, I don't only play heavy games. Like heavy games are probably still my favorite, but like, I love games of all types. Like I'll play simple games as well, as long as it's an interesting game. Mm. Um, so I, I play all types of stuff. I, I love Euros. I love Ameritrash. Uh, I love it all. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that it took a heavy thing to get me into it. Maybe had I played Catan, maybe it would have gotten me into it. I don't know. Uh, but a lot of people I know that started playing Catan, it just got them into playing Catan. And then, yeah. I, and then I introduced them to more things later. Um, so who knows? Who knows how if, if my story would be different. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. It, took, it took a heavy game to get me into it. And a lot of people that like Catan, they don't they don't like other ones. They like they like the lighter games. That's that's what they like. Yeah. Catan is their jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Android, the thing about Android, it has such a cool theme. Especially if you if if you were really big into, you know, video games, that probably helped a little bit with the cyberpunk kind of theme. You know, having your net runners and and the corporations and everything like that. I imagine that probably helped. But, um. So now that you've been in the hobby for as long as you have, what is your number one favorite game? Uh, my number one favorite game is Through the Ages, although okay. it's the, the the new one. Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. Yeah, the night the the one where it's legal to concede in the game, walk away after two hours. Got it. <laughs> I played the, I've played the app. The app is fantastic. Like it I've is really good. Pl- I've played so many games in the app, um, and and love it. But uh, yeah, that is my favorite game. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, who's who's next in chronological order? 
So I'll let Colton go first, <clears throat> but I want to say that Colton and I were the product of Catan, got us into Catan for like right. nine, nine years. Like that was, <laughs> we are, we were the definition of that. And then Colton, I think, is the one that kind of initiated the, the springboard for us. There's nothing wrong with liking Catan though. You know what I'm saying? Like no, it's I mean, cool now to like yeah. hate on it, but yeah. I mean, it's still popular. People still love it. And if it gets people in the hobby, like good for them, you know? Or if that's, if all it does is get them into, get them playing a board game like i'll play that over like sorry and monopoly any day you know absolutely and i will say i've never played just base Catan. like when it was taught to me seafarers and cities and knights was like did you always play with like six people too (laughs) a lot of times yeah Yeah, (laughs) your opinion is probably not is probably not completely accurate that's how you played it yeah yeah so it's like from the get-go um we had cities and knights and seafarers in with it um and that's like what we did it was just like a part of like we would get together with some of our um other friends they were kind of like how there's like four of us you know from from this area that like have kind of like always like stay stay pretty close and like so like four of us would together, we would play, you know, we would play Catan. Um, and really prior to that, you know, I had played the basic stuff, um, played a lot of trouble growing up. Um, I still think we need more games with pop in the middle. <laughs> yeah, design that game. You yeah. won't lose the dice. You always had a dice for that game. All the yeah. my other games yeah. were missing dice. Yeah, yeah well, it's brilliant. because you're careless. Um, <laughs> then, so I got, I got married in... Uh, 2017 and randomly as a wedding gift uh someone got my wife and i carcassonne um because they were like oh yeah we you know when we first got married we played this game and i was like okay cool i've never seen this before so it stayed in our shelf for like i don't know a year or so uh and then one night we were uh, nothing on tv or whatever and we're like you want to play a board game we have uh we have like two board games in our house and one has this weird castle on the front of it. I was like, I guess we can play that. And we ended up playing Carcassonne probably, you know, three, four times back to back because we didn't have kids at the time. So we'd just leave it, leave it out. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, basically we, uh, after that, we got Ticket to Ride. And at that point, we had played all three games ever made. Uh, so I thought it's like Catan, yeah. Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride. There's nothing else out there. Yeah, that's unless you, you get into that, unless you get into those dangerous games. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Start um, you down the slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so that's kind of where we were. That's kind of where we were parked for a while until the pandemic happened. Um, and we suddenly had a ton of free time. TK and I both did. And he's like, he's like, Hey, we should make a board game. We should make a card game. We should make something with all this free time we have. Um, Cause ever since we were kids, we've been scheming to make stuff, whether it was you know, movies or recipes or, you know, whatever. And we, we had made games in the past, right? We're adults. Now we, we have time and some resources. We can make a game. Um, then we realized though, that, if we're going to make a game, we have to know who we're making this game for. So we started joining these Facebook groups and we started seeing names of these games we'd never heard of before. 
And we're like, okay, I guess we have some homework to do. So pretty quickly, I got Viticulture and TK got Terraforming Mars. Those were like, you know, our our two games there for a hot second. And then fast forward like six months later and we both had shelves of them. Yeah, like all, all of my stuff, I know people listening can't see it, but you can see it. Like this yeah. is just from after pandemic. It's that is quite crazy. a collection. I think you have more games than I do. Same like <laughs> yeah. around me here. Um, it's wild. It's funny how that works. It's so yeah. fast. <laughs> you just dive head first. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And and at the time, like so I think I think it's funny, and TK will probably speak to this, is like um our preferred like game weight. Um mine has very much been like hills and valleys, and TK's just been like Everest. It's just because <laughs> I I also got into solo gaming. Um, especially after our daughter was born and uh, kind of like reached like the toddler stage. Yeah. Um, it was like, well, my, my wife would be like, okay, well we can play when she goes to bed. And then my daughter would go to bed and 20 minutes later, I would hear my wife snoring in there. And I was like, well, I still want to play a game. <laughs> um, and then one day I looked at a game box and it said one player, like it was viticulture. It said, you know, this plays one to six players. I was like, one player, that just sounds sad. Who would do that? <laughs> I would do that. And then I loved it. And now it's like, I won't I won't typically buy a game if it doesn't play solo, unless it uh, is just like an absolute must-have, like everyone has to have this game kind of game. Um, yeah, so for me, it's like when we are all together, it's typically a heavy game we're playing. But for me, it's like I don't oftentimes set up a heavy game for myself. I want to have a quick setup, play it, tear it down. Um, I just love games. So um, it's funny we actually we actually just talked about um, what how do we choose games and tear down setup was the, one of the things we actually chatted about because it's it it plays a big role, mm-hmm. you know, having a lot to set up and tear down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like I I sometimes enjoy a big like laborious like time consuming set up tear down for epic stuff but if i'm not starting playing until 9 p.m like after everyone's gone to bed i'm like my gosh i want to i want to go to bed by midnight so we gotta gotta cut that out a little bit um so yes that's kind of been my my board game journey it's kind of that you know i played played those gateway games and then there was kind of a break where i didn't and then when the pandemic hit we kind of springboarded me towards uh all these great hobby games we have now so what's your favorite game my favorite game at the moment is sky mines uh alexander fister it's it's right up there for people that i mean for the three of you four of you that can see it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the listeners can't see it yeah. um so it's the uh it's the reskin of mombasa um mm-hmm. So it's slightly less problem- problematic now because now you're just, you know, exploiting the moon and not the poor African people. Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah, I, I don't do know how they got away that. with that theme. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those where I'm just like, I think what's crazy is like I've heard in interviews before with Alexander Fister. It's like, they're like, how did you come up with this theme? He's like, I did not come up with that theme. He's like, like for, like, I think it was Blackout Hong Kong. He was like, I just had a game and the publisher was like, okay, it's going to be based in a blackout in Hong Kong. I mean, 
it's like okay i guess i guess so so yeah i don't, I don't, know, how these, I don't know how these decisions get made but see yeah, that, that that's a, from the good old days where you just made a game and then found a skin for it later yeah just, <laughs> absolutely yeah. it's like um, stefan feld it's all just math sheets and then you just hear <laughs> here's my math sheets make a game out you take an it. artist and make it into a theme <laughs> yeah so yeah scott, scott skylines is sitting up there um for, for a while before then, though, Paladins of the West, as the, of the West Kingdom was my... It, yeah, let's start that over. Paladins that. of the West Kingdom was my favorite. You talk about, like, offensive themes. Like, uh, what was that game that the uh, they had slave cards in it? Five Tribes. Yes, like, Five Tribes. You're like, like who, who okayed that? Like, who in that process was like, you know what? This seems like a really good idea, you know? It yeah. just it yeah it boggles my mind. I like I love Skymines. Skymines is really good. I I prefer it actually over Mombasa, and part of it is that the fact that you make the decision on your cards at the end of the round instead of the beginning, so you can adjust where they go on on your board. Mm-hmm. I think it gives you just slightly more information, which I really like. But all right, TK, let's hear your board game journey. So I live really close to Colt, so it's uh, it's pretty much identical. So we kind of. Uh, joined forces with uh, the board game journey because we both experienced Catan back in college together. I bought it. So he played my copy. And so we yep. were the group that was playing Catan. <clears throat> and then when the pandemic hit, he introduced me to Carcassonne and I was like, what is this? And he was like, that's a meeple. And I was like, this is so cool. Yep. Um, and then I started, you know, joining the Facebook groups and Googling things. And I found Rodney Smith and I was like, this is amazing. So like literally every day for months during lunch, I would watch a Rodney Smith video on a game I'd never heard about. Um, and the one that just really caught my attention, like Colton said, was Terraforming Mars. And so I bought it at my local game store. And <clears throat> that was probably the game that kind of tipped the scale of like complicated, heavy games for me. Yep. Like I love the complexity of games. Like I love, you know, the deep decision space. I love AP. Like I love sitting and thinking about things. Um, and so, yeah, just since then, you know, we both bought a ton of games. What's nice about being close is, you know, we can kind of decide who buys what. Right, like I have the yeah. West Kingdom. He's got the North Sea. He's got all of Stonemeyer stuff. I don't have any Stonemeyer stuff, and so we're able to kind of split who who has what and still get a, a decent sized collection. And so that's kind of been my journey, <clears throat> along with Colton. Um, and currently, I would say my favorite is On Mars is my number one. I haven't played that one. Oh, that's the that's the other sort of game, isn't it? Or is it a yep. yep. Yeah, it's it. That is one of those games that's on my list, but I have to find somebody who wants to like teach it to me because I don't own it. Um, and it's man, when I first saw that come out, I was like, man, I really want to play this game. Like this, the theme of it's cool. Like I like that I like the sci-fi. Look of it, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Amazing. I mean, I wonder who the artist. Yeah, who is did the one. art on that one? I don't, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't but, know. It was... yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Clemens Franz. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's our boy Clemens. Yeah, um, I would buy that game. Right <laughs> Clemens Franz the game. Let's like see. Yeah. Well, how about Clemens Franz sci-fi? Like whatever, doesn't matter. Instead of like old-timey? I would love to see him do sci-fi stuff. That'd be interesting. I want like a I want like a Dixit expansion, but it's just Clemens Franz artwork. <laughs> <laughs> just just go nuts, buddy, and then it's just it's literally just like, faces on like each it, it's Clemens Franz sci-fi fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And it, yeah, we're bashing on Clemens, but uh, Clemens, I don't know. I Like I said, I don't mind his artwork. It, it does, like, 
like Dennis was saying, it, it just kind of reminds me of like those old school Euro games. And it just like, there's this you know nostalgia getting, yeah. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he works like, it seems like every game that Uwe Rosenberg comes out with, like he does the artwork for. So like, they just kind of go hand in hand. Um, All right. Last question before we wrap this all up. You guys are hosting a board game night. You're having your friends over. What's your go-to board game snack? My go-to board game snack. <clears throat> this is my go-to snack. This don't have anything to do with board games, but I, I, I like to have it when people come over. Is So I'm, I'm a huge chip person. I love chips, but like I hate yep. greasy stuff, right? Of course. Have you all tried the new uh, Popcorners? They're like popcorn made into oh. chips or little triangles. Um, we get them at Walmart, but they're called Popcorners. They're just – they literally popcorn and – shape it into the shape of a triangle um, but it's amazing like they're 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 much healthier and there's no grease great crunch that's probably my go-to snack oh i try that yeah natasha likes to get get she gets all like stuff on her fingers and then she's touching all the game bits and stuff and it's the reason why i sleeve cards <laughs> <laughs> no everyone i see salty things it's just that's just that's just how we are it, that that's how it goes yeah that's such an interesting question. Yeah. Because like for me, it's like it's less a board game snack and more of like a people I'm playing with that I have like associated snacks. Yeah. Like popcorners, like TK mentioned, and the um, the individual like miniature, they like Keebler cookies. Like the M&M ones, yeah. Yeah, like the, they have the M&Ms in them. Mm-hmm. Because I only eat those things at board game conventions. Because I always take a box of them with us whenever yeah. we go. <laughs> Those little traditions. I'm, I'm not even. Tip, I'm not really typically like a snacker at the table, but I more just have like, like those are the snacks I associate with board gaming. Um, yeah. So I will. I'll piggyback off of yours and add the Keebler cookies. Nice. All right, Dennis. What do you got? So I don't allow snacks. Uh, while playing board games, we would expect nothing. Else. <laughs> yes. He's gonna nice. smudge his monocle if you bring a snack. To his <laughs> uh, I'm so not surprised you'd say that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's partial, partially a joke, but um, whenever we play, we 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 don't eat something during. We always stop and have like dinner or something. Oh sure. Um, and and other times, like I'll have snacks in the kitchen, but like while we're playing stuff. It, it it kind of I guess it sort of depends because on most of my game days where it's with my you know hardcore group, um, then we we don't snack while we're playing. Um, but if it's like more of a casual game night where I have other people over, then we'll usually have just you know Doritos and chips and cookies and stuff. Um, but even then, it depending on uh, what we're doing, like I like I don't want people to have their hands all dirty and playing the game at the same time so well yeah if you're um, serving doritos that th- yeah, that doesn't yeah. go good with it's 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 kind of like games. it's kind of two separate things it's like hey yeah. let's break and have a snack and and chat and then we'll and go back take to a shower and then you yeah, right. yeah <laughs> wash your hands there's get there's that. the guest shower everyone has to get into we hose them off <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me see your hands <laughs> did you eat cheetos you ate cheetos i can smell it let me see <laughs> let me see them fingers <laughs> Oh, oh man, man, that's awesome. I don't I don't mind that as long as we can are allowed to take a break and go eat food throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you got to <laughs> you got to get that sustenance to like keep yourself going for the next like hardcore game. Yeah, yeah. Well, you run out of brain power. 
I, this this isn't necessarily something to do with snacks, but it just kind of reminds me of it. It's when I'm if I'm at a gaming event or just just in uh, you know there's a group of people playing games and there's one table and they're just like laughing their heads off and they're like you know yelling and standing up and clapping and all this stuff and then I see another table and they're all sitting in silence. <laughs> I'm just like those people are the ones having fun. Those other people laughing, they're not having real fun. The best games are the ones where you all sit in silence. And like, I've literally had my wife walk by and was like, oh, I thought you guys like left or something. Like we were just all sitting in the room in complete silence. And uh, and it was, you know, that's when, you know, the game is amazing because you're all just like thinking about what you want to do. Yeah. Um, So that that's like that's like my favorite thing. Um, I, I have fun laughing, too, but. Like I just, I just, I just love that. Whether well, there's, there's like the, the rowdy group and then the silent group. Yeah, I feel like I have favorite games like on both ends of that spectrum. Because like, you know, Skylines is in my top ten, obviously, and that's not like a hoot and hollering game. But then like Just One and Quacks Quedlinburg are also in my top ten, and those are both like uh, just big. Like those, those are this kind of games where people get a little more hyped up and rowdy. I don't know. I, mean, I can get pretty hyped on some Alexander Fister, though. Just one of the funniest like exchanges I have is when somebody grabs a card and they're just like number three and they're like holding it up or whatever, and they're just like, "All right, number okay, so balloon, okay," and then they start like, "Like, no, dude, you're not supposed to say what it is." <laughs> I don't know how many times I've had that happen, and everyone just starts laughing. Like, but yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, I got you know. In some ways, I gotta agree with Dennis on that. Like the everyone quiet, everyone staring at the board. And then the only like thing that finally comes out is like, hey, man, you know, it's your turn. Yeah, I know it's my turn. Calm down. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. I know, I know it was my, turn. <laughs> my husband gives me a lot of grief for that. I have people over and it's silent. And so he comes along. He doesn't play board games. He comes along and stands at the table and starts chit chatting with us. And I'm like, you need to leave. Like, you're not invited. You can't just start talking like you're distracting my players. Like, he's like, oh, I thought you guys were having fun. I said, we are having fun, but we're not here to chit chat. We're here to play games. It's a different you, level. You see of fun. snacks on this table? <laughs> no, we're serious right now. Yes. Yeah. Go. Be gone with you, sir. Be gone with you, sir. Between games, you may chat to. Uh, you may chat with us, but yeah. Yeah. Not right now. So, not right so now. I, so thought. I've trained him. He, he knows to leave. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell him that you said that you trained him. Just I want to see how he feels about that. All right. Uh, so Galactic Cruise coming to Kickstarter quarter one, 2024. Uh, if you had to give like the elevator spiel for your game, what would you say? A little elevator pitch. TK's say, been practicing this. Oh, good. I've yes. said this about he, four million times. So yeah, yeah, four million and one, man. Yeah. So this is this is the this is the pitch. Uh, it's yeah. mostly thematic, but it's got a little mechanics. In it. So, Galactic Cruise um, is one of the first companies to offer extended stay space flights, basically taking cruises into outer space. So you as the players work as supervisors of this company to help build and launch shuttles to send guests to different destinations. So that's kind of the thematic setup. And mechanically, it's a worker placement game, but very friendly. So there's a lot of positive player interaction, like you can bump other players and give them their worker back in a bonus. And you can create networks to kind of connect your actions like we've talked about. And so that's kind of the, the few things that set it apart mechanically. With ENO2 artwork. With the there is, there is, there will be. Currently, there's InnoTool graphics, but there yeah. will eventually, hopefully, in the next few weeks, be some more InnoTool art oh, on the board. I cannot wait to see boards. it. I'm very excited. Oh yeah, we're. I check my email way too often just to see if something is just like shown up. 
Does he nice. like send you like screenshots and like snippets and and like pieces so, of it? In, in is very interesting, and I think I would prefer this. <clears throat> I think he does it for many reasons. Like he's great at what he does. But like for the box cover, we had a meeting with him. We told him our concepts, and then the next thing we saw was what you see. Wow. And mm. it was exactly what we wanted. Like there was nothing we wanted different. Like it was like better than the concept we gave him. Like we our our initial concept was we want to see a shuttle evolve because in the game it goes from a blueprint to being built to being launched, and we were like. Is there any way you can convey that whole process on the box cover? And he was like, of course I can, right? Because I'm in O'Toole. And he did it. Duh. And it was, it, it, was, it was incredible. So yeah, I'm very excited to see more of the illustration. Yeah, it's if if the box art is any indication of what the game is going to look like, I'm excited. And I, to be honest, too, with as far as like the mechanics and everything like that, I think you guys put like a nice fresh take on some very common mechanics like the worker placement i do love the positive interaction like you mentioned that positive interaction piece one of the things natasha and i often talk about is negative things in games like the you flip an event card it could be bad for one particular person or you know the i gotcha card you know the those types of interactions are always kind of leave a sour taste in your mouth so even like yes you're going to bump somebody but they get something in return for that you know i think Stuff like that, having those positive interactions, I think is cool. Um, I'm excited to see the finished product. I'm excited to, you know, see it all finally put together, you know, get my hands on it and play it. So I really do appreciate you guys coming on to the podcast and talking about it. Um, Again, for listeners, check it out. Quarter one, 2024. Think in March? Question mark? Hopefully, that's where, that would be our last opportunity for quarter one. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's definitely, definitely, definitely what we're aiming for. Yep. So check it out. Uh, that's going to be Galactic Cruise by Kenson Key Games. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us again next week. Uh, please help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook and send us any of your comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.